Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Do 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 do. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm Podcast. You just came back from Christmas, and we just came back from Christmas, and there was no snow on the ground, and it was 55 degrees, (laughs) and welcome to Northern Florida. Uh, (laughs) We had, but I'm going to talk about mine first, because mine's about Christmas. So, you excited? Do you think people get give each other, um, like... This wouldn't be like a regular Christmas gift, maybe like a stocking stuffer, maybe even like a white elephant gift exchange in Florida. So if we've got any Florida listeners, reach out to us and let's set us straight here. Yeah. But do you think... They like, don't do white elephant. They do, do think, white gator gifts. <laughs> I guarantee it. Do, do you think like a, a, like a little bottle of off is exchanged around the holidays just because, you know, you can still get bit by mosquitoes in, <laughs> yeah. in Christmas time down there? Yeah. Oh man, yeah. If you guys still get bit by mosquitoes, send us some uh, mosquito repellent. Yeah, because we might need it here if this continues. Oh my goodness. Well, we're in. Peyton talked about this months and months ago. We're in El Nino. They said this would happen. Yeah. Our winter would be wet and warm. Yeah. And it has been. Although in it, Knoxville this morning, it has not been wet until just recently, though. It's yeah, been that's bone true. Dry. It was dry. Oof. But um, our uh, Knoxville, it was snowing. There was like a half an inch of snow on the ground. Oh, not nice. enough to like start drifting, but enough to like sheet everything. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We had a little, I was here yesterday, which is the day after Christmas uh, and it was snowing, mm. you know, most of the time I was here, nothing accumulated, but yeah. Looked nice. Interesting. All right. Don't look. Ken, Ken's trying to, all he's trying right, to pee. All right. Man. All right. My goodness, Ken. All right. How many Christmas trees are sold every year in the United States? I should have known when you said I can't peek that it's some kind of quiz. Yeah. I'm going to go with, so there's 330 million people. Oh, he's going to do the math. I think, uh, you know, most, you could probably say the average household has, what, four or five people in it. So, okay, man, now i got to do some quick math. That, that'd that be like, so 70 million would be, would be okay. like if there's 350. We'll just go yeah. with that. So we'll go 7 million households. 70 million, you said? Or... Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, 70. Yep, sorry. 70 million households. Um, we'll say maybe sixth, six-sevenths of of that probably celebrate Christmas. Okay. <clears throat> so that takes us down to 60 million, right? Okay. And of those 60 million households, you got to figure maybe another 10 million don't bother with getting a Christmas tree. Does this count fake Christmas trees too, or just real? Um, good question. Uh, this is how many Christmas trees are bought every year. So you got to think about if someone buys a fake Christmas tree. They're only buying once every 10 years. Oh man. Yeah. So that's going to take off another, I'm going to say another 20 million. All right. Hit me with that and final answer. So I'm going to go 30 million. My word, Kent. 25 to 30 million Christmas trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally. My goodness. Call Meat Eater right away. We are ready. We are ready for <laughs> That'd our be trivia. A good trivia question. Oh, my word. That's crazy. Well, I won't make you do all the rest, but <laughs> the equivalent. So these are just the things that happen during Christmas that don't happen the rest of the year. So we're just talking about not. 
I, not including the extra pies and the extra turkey and the extra beer that people are consuming. Um, 30 million trees are used for paper rolls to wrap Christmas gifts. Whoa. 30 million. This is just the United States. Uh, this is according to RoadrunnerWM.com, which is like a uh, it's like a um, recycling and green uh, and waste website that talks a lot about that stuff. Sure. Anyway, sustainability. Um, 1.6 billion holiday cards are sent across the United States. I, I read somewhere else that it was the equivalent of like 200,000 trees or something like that is how mm. many Christmas cards are used. Um, packaging during Christmas season, packaging makes up 30% of America's waste packaging. Wow. I know not including yeah, when, when you like wrapping paper. Well, and, and have you ever considered like some of those packages yesterday? My, one of the worst words my wife and I ever taught our children was the word stupid. Like oh, no. they, they use it liberally. And, <laughs> oh, no. and uh, yesterday my son Jonas was unwrapping a new like little Nerf gun. He got this like a, like a little tiny one that he got in his stocking for my grand or for my parents. Oh no. And the, they had like these little tabs where it's screwed into the gun. Yeah. So you like, couldn't just pull it out of the package. Yep. And you know, he's like grumping and he's like, this, this, Packaging is stupid, you know, <laughs> and it's like he's probably heard that from me before, <laughs> you know. But uh, uh, like you think about why does that have those those? I'll even agree with you, Jonas. Those stupid little tabs that screw into the gun is for theft protection, right? Because uh-huh. through time, people have been so dirtbaggish that they've like gone into stores and just mine, you know, like yeah, rip yeah, something yeah, yeah. out. So now. To compensate for the dirt baggishness of a certain percentage of our species, we have to create all this excess packaging that, pollu- yeah. that pollutes and poisons our world. That's a good point. To keep the dirt bags out of the out of the the Nerf gun box, you know yeah. what I mean? Because even if that thing was only one percent of that uh, of that packaging, that's still a lot of waste, right? You know, man. Okay, well, we throw away 38,000 miles, which is able to go around the earth one and a half times, of ribbon um, every single year. And, oh, no, I I don't have it on this one. But it went through one of the websites I was looking at, went through uh, how many pies uh, Mm. we go through. And it was like like 80 million pies or something like that, just during Christmas season. And I think they're considering Christmas season um, like – December 20th through the the first of the year. Um, And so those are monster amounts of waste just to like not even your gifts or batteries or anything like that, which also um, hundreds of tons of batteries get thrown away in the world during Christmas season. Man. Hundreds of tons. That's crazy. Isn't that wild? Well, think of the fossil fuel used to deliver that stuff to houses. Oh, yeah. Then... To deliver it, you know, then, you know, like for us, we traveled over the holidays. We went to Ohio and Illinois. Mm-hmm. So now not only were these gifts that we bought for people delivered possibly, you know, anywhere from tens to hundreds of miles to our house. And let's be honest, where were they manufactured most of that stuff? Overseas. So now you factor in all the fossil fuel used 
just to get it from those factories over to North America yeah. to then be shipped from some city to my house to then be driven by me to other states. Yeah. You know? It's a lot, dude. I, the I've been uh I'm one of the oldest siblings. I've got a bunch of younger ones and I've been begging my mom to like not do gifts anymore to my younger siblings great dismay. They're like so <laughs> distraught. They you know, I've got much younger siblings. So they're like, "Oh my, how could you do this to us? Why would you say that?" And my mom loves giving gifts. So she ain't going to stop. This year she's like, "I'm only giving six gifts per person." And uh what was your favorite gift? Gave more. I don't know. One of two things. Either headphones that I got, which are really nice, or um, I got nice shoes. You're, I got really nice like, shoes. Or this new tattoo. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> and I pull it. It's just, a, it's just a picture of Kent's face, like four feet on on my back. On his lower back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my left ear sweeps over onto his like rib cage stomach area just Man. to make me feel awkward. Dude, the we actually didn't eat that much. While we were there, we were supposed to have brunch and it ended up being lunch. Um, and then I think I had like a that's leftover sandwich. Brun- that's how most brunches go. Yeah. It's just so much work. Dude, know? there's so much work. And then you forget like, oh, I need this ingredient. Can someone go run to the store? Yeah. Or the oven didn't heat. You forgot to preheat the oven or whatever. So now you're set back. All those things. Right. But no, that's a it's a good lesson. And, um, you know, that. Uh, the, Part of the imperfectness of our reality now is hindsight, right? Like mm-hmm. we look at things, we're like, man, if we had known that that resource X was going to become so limited, we probably would have never created this super commercialized element to the celebrating this holiday that would, you know, that included so much waste yeah. and 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 so much like wanton yeah. wanton use of of resources yeah you know and when whenever christmas became so commercialized like that i i imagine that resources and wealth and everything else that allowed for it to be that way and like create this you know runaway train situation of of uh consumerism um like if we could have that hindsight back then i bet it would be way toned down yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah like think of like other holidays that are kind of related to that like easter for instance Mm -hmm. like there's a few gifts given during easter and like there's a big meal but there's not like everyone's not like oh i'm gonna bring easter cookies to work for everyone to have around the office and i'm going to put you know all this extra like there's some of that like yeah easter's mostly about the gluttony we christians commit after church that sunday yeah right it's not like (laughs) a season of of you know we don't have secret secret easter bunny you know like secret santa you know like yeah there's going to be a series of 12 gifts i give to you over the course the next month you know It, it is it is interesting because we're able to get so many gifts Mm -hmm. like um, like people talk about like, oh man, houses cost so much more right now and people just aren't making near as much. Yeah, maybe, but you gave your twi- child 18 gifts and 60 years ago when the houses were quote unquote way cheaper, people only gave their kids two gifts. You know, yeah, for Christmas. right. Yeah. Like, like dad, he doesn't, he doesn't even fully understand gifts because 
he's used to getting like a thing, mm-hmm. like an apple for Christmas. Yeah. You know, that's what they did yeah. when he was younger. Or like they got a special a kind point. of meat to cook, yeah. and that was like a big deal for Christmas. And yeah. and that was the big deal, not like iPads and cell phone. You know, these thousand dollar items that people are getting multiple of. You know, yeah, that's and a good point. Um, but here's the deal: the healthiest emotion. It's gratefulness and Thanksgiving. And you don't fight consumerism by telling people, or you don't fight waste by telling people, hey, you're wasteful. You fight it by saying like, hey, let's look at all these other things that we're grateful for, yeah. right? And if we can yeah, focus on right. the things yeah. we're grateful for, then then waste is going to go way, way down. That's why you said there's no Thanksgiving songs. Exactly. There's no Thanksgiving songs. There's no commercials, basically, except for a few grocery stores that are like, yeah. you know, wow, what a great, by, when Halloween comes and then bam, so, commercials for christmas it's that time of year again to get the ones you love the most expensive thing you could possibly yeah. afford yeah you know yep yeah it's it's a it's a good point and a good thing to observe well uh my topic could be a long one but i'm gonna keep it kind of short because there's not there's not really much to say on it yet um other than it just happened i think we've mentioned this before um that it was coming colorado uh back in i think it was 2021 passed a vote so the citizens of colorado voted on this issue it was a it was a ballot issue um how does something even get to be a ballot issue uh you have to have a imagine it shows through yeah i mean i'm sure it starts out as a petition and then like if you could just get two hundred thousand signatures it can be a ballot issue or something i don't know i'm guessing that it probably had to be it probably had to be assigned that way by legislators in the state of Colorado would be my guess. So mm, interesting, but, but uh, that'd be a good thing to do a deeper dive on, but for, for however the process went to get it to that point, it became a ballot issue for all legal voters in Colorado to decide whether or not wolves should be in, reintroduced into Colorado. What do they vote? They voted. Yes. Wow. And uh, it's a highly controversial thing because wolves are always highly controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, that goes back to probably thousands of years and just human-wolf interaction. You know, think of how many yeah. fairy tales the big bad wolf is present, you know? Yeah. And, and so, it, by nature, it's an it's a issue of great controversy. Well, it happened. December 19th. What was uh, the margin? Do you know what the percentage was? I don't remember. I heard at one point back back in 2021 when the vote went through. Um, I think it was a pretty, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't like a super close vote, if I remember. Oh, okay. Uh, but just the people who really I mean, not like a it. total landslide, but like. I mean, know, I could people, see people, if I was a rancher and, and I lived near a national forest, you know, and they were like, yeah, we're going to bring wolves back. I mean. Your insurance is about to double. Oh, the you know vet, what I mean? Like, there, there is a huge portion of people. So I'm not trying to say like this. There, you know, everyone's like, yeah, kumbaya, let's bring on the wolves. There are a lot of people who do not want them, and uh, ranchers are going to be a very big part of that because I yeah, Carter Niemeyer, got, yeah, got hell broken loose on him from some ranchers, right? Yeah, it uh, th- that directly is going to affect the health of of their product that they're trying to to you know produce. Yeah. There uh there's going to be not just kills, but there's going to be stress on their herd. 
there's going to be, um, you know, more work as far as, you know, security, fencing. Yeah. Um, where where do you graze at different times of the year based yeah. on based on the presence of wolves? Like, there's there's a yeah. whole new long list of considerations. Resources are going to be needed for this, so I wonder if they were considering like. When they're like, oh, my taxes might be higher or my roads might not be as nice because we're spending money, you know, with the wolves. Right, or, right. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing is it's not cheap to, try to to get those wolves. I remember back in 2019 or 2020, I think it was. I think it was 2019. Um, or actually, it might have been 2018. And then they talked about it in 2019. They did a similar thing on Isle Royale, which is in the UP of Michigan. Um, this is, I think it's like a... I can't remember the exact size. It's a pretty sizable island that historically had a caribou and lynx population. And then like in the, I think it was the 1960s, 70s, something like that, that went away and it became a wolf moose population. And it was a weird little ecosystem, right? Because it's just an island that's far enough off the mainland to where like, once you're there, you're there. You're not like swimming back to the mainland. Yeah. The only time you're getting back to the mainland is if there's a really cold winter and the ice is thick enough and something mm. causes that animal to want to like go off, right? Yeah. And oh, so, interesting. Yeah. And so like <clears throat> the problem with that is those animals get super inbred, right? Because yeah. they're they're isolated. And so they repopulated the island with like six wolves. Uh they helicopter they trapped them up in I think it was in Canada is where most of them came from. Helicoptered them in, and I think it was like fifty or sixty thousand dollars of of resources, you know, taxpayer resources per wolf to get them onto this island. And right away, they killed the remaining the two remaining wolves uh, that were still on the island. <laughs> the new wolves just came and just killed them. <laughs> like, oh, gross! It yeah, rips. Get yeah. Them. <laughs> killed them, and then like. Two or three of them are like, "Yeah, we're out of here," and they they made it back to Canada, and and uh, like either through swimming or crossing ice or whatever, they left, and uh, so it was like this huge loss right off the bat. Like you can't, you know, yeah, man, trying to, you know, they they use the phrase trying to play God, right? Yeah, yeah, and and uh, so you know, like there's there's real considerations when you do stuff like this. Is it going to work? Is it what are the unintended and unforeseen consequences of it? Yeah. I can definitely sympathize. I didn't say empathize because I'm not a rancher, but I can sympathize with the concerns of the ranchers. What are the major I pros can, then? I can sympathize with the, the other big group that's that, and, and even empathize a little bit, I suppose, with the elk and mule deer hunters that are concerned about the opportunity for, for that and the health of those pop. Not just their the hunter opportunity, but the health of those populations that, yes, at one time were adapted to the presence of a lot of wolves, but now not so much. Mm, yeah. uh, something interesting, I have a friend who was just hunting out in Colorado back in September, and there are wolves that are already in Colorado that kind of like naturally came down from states to the north yeah, um, and further west. And uh, he saw them while he was there. Like he spent a whole day in this drainage watching these while he was hunting. And all he saw were wolves running around. Like a, there was a pack of wolves in there. And, uh, and he said there were like 
no deer and no elk that we saw that day because they knew that the wolves were there. So that's two things. There's two two important things with, with his anecdotal experience is yeah. the animals are already responding to their pressure, and they're saying, yeah, we're out of here. Yeah. So it's not like they're, like, sitting around going – Oh, what are you? And then, boom, yeah, they yeah. got a wolf hanging from their throat. And now you're getting more accurate hunting from, you know, 600 right, years ago. Right, right. And so the, the animals, at least in those isolated areas, seem to already, based on his experience, learning to evade and, you know, do what animals naturally do. But also, there's already wolves, right? So why can't we just let, like, this has been the strongest case. And if I had to show my cards and say, where do you, where does your opinion why well, I, I don't hate wolves you know i'm i'm glad that we have wolves I, they they're part of you know what the ecosystem was but i also understand that colorado isn't what colorado was 100 years ago if you colorado isn't what it was when i went there when i was a kid yeah, yeah. you know what i mean i i had it's been a long time gap between i think the first time i went to colorado is when i was like seven years old yeah and then i went again when i was like 20 years old and then i went again when i was like 30 years old yeah when and people you could, go to colorado they don't come back so there's a lot uh, more humans there than right yeah there's like the 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 expanse of human population there and development and everything else has been huge yeah and so you're not dealing with the same piece of land that you were 100 years ago and the wildlife that's there already has a lot of pressure to deal with. And so I think there is a justified concern in we're going to intentionally add more wolves. Whereas if you more naturally just said, hey, we got wolves here. Let's leave them alone. Let's protect them and say, yeah, hunters can't shoot the wolves that are naturally coming in. And we're not going to try and get rid of them. Um, maybe if they become a big enough establishment of a population, then yeah, we open up a, a season on them and you can take, you know, a few wolves every year um, to keep their population in check. But uh, the concerns that come with just intentionally reestablishing a uh, population that seemed to kind of already be doing that itself anyways, I, I can sympathize with, with those concerns. Um, I mean, I do believe that people's votes should matter right um so i'm not you know and there's a whole nother debate on ballot box biology do we let citizens just make decisions on things that they may not be qualified to make at all let's be honest the people that we vote into positions they make those decisions anyways we had this whole conversation with skip on crossbows in iowa yes you know, the great people in our state that work for our, our game agencies, they pass on recommendations. They say, hey, this is what the data is. Yeah. But Jace Elliott, our good friend Jace Elliott, doesn't get to say yes or no, crossbows should be yeah. allowed. So I'm going to I'm gonna decide that. It's a legislator that makes that decision anyways, who the- may or may not know a dang thing about deer populations and how they're affected by crossbow usage. you ever play you ever been unfortunate enough to play mafia yes. i hate that game i hate it too. i hate that game but here's the thing <clears throat> it shows why democracy true democracy is dangerous because someone could be totally innocent and voted out because you know people don't have don't we we don't have the time to do due diligence on every right. single thing yep. there's just no way so we are trusting someone else is doing the due diligence to make good right. decisions to represent us. And part of the, one of the weird things that I'm noticing on politicians is that the 
they're, they can make a choice. They can go with their conviction say, hey, I got voted in. They trust me. I'm going to go with me. And some politicians say, what would my people base vote in? You know what I mean? What would mm-hmm. my people base, base right. vote? And I, I think that's pretty interesting. Like if yeah. politicians had a website and they said like, hey, this important vote's coming up and you could go on there and be like, this is my address and vote. You know what I mean? I'm part of your legislation. Please vote this way for yeah. me. And they did. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Where the, at what point does the politician totally go with what his con- constituent, his or her constituents yeah. want? Yeah. And no, actually, my moral compass, my understand, my background. Yeah. I have a better understanding than yeah. you guys. That's and why so I'm in this I'm, position. I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go this way, and you, when you're going that, yeah, Dude. that's a, that's a tough thing to get into because I don't know because I I don't see like a, oh this is obviously right. You right. know what I mean? Yep. And and uh, you know I think to end this, I just wanted to you know to make this more educational, less opinionated. Um, so there were five wolves released. Um, there is uh, two uh, two females and three males. Um, uh, uh, two from the five points pack. All of them came from Oregon, so there's there's three different uh, packs represented. Two from the five points pack. Uh, two from the uh, I think it's pronounced no regard, or maybe it's just a goofy way of saying no regard. Uh, pack, and then uh, the Wenaha. I think is how it's pronounced. One from the Wenaha pack. One male, and so uh. Um, the that one, that male is 108 pounds. That's a big old wolf. Wow! And then, Are they uh, expecting him to be the alpha? I don't know. Uh, I think you know. I think there's other factors at play other than just you know who's biggest and baddest. I think a lot of it's temperament too. You know the, mm. an, the individual animal. So uh, the hope though is yeah they'll they'll establish and uh, an interesting quote that one of the. Um, uh, so this is Colorado Parks and Wildlife Director. This information is coming from the Colorado Outdoors Magazine, which I feel is a good resource on this. Um, <clears throat> he says, "This is uh, he says this is a historic day for Colorado." Said CPW Director Jeff Davis. We want to thank the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service for their work to complete and approve the 10J designation. And this is an interesting way that he words this. Um, he tells you, smart guy. The 10J designation that lists wolves in Colorado as a non-essential experimental population. This helps us to follow all the conflict mitigation plans we accounted for in the final Colorado Wolf Restoration and Management Plan, which would be really interesting to read through that plan, mm. and I should do that. Had Dude, I imagine that plan so boring? Mm. <laughs> like, reading through that would be so uh, I, I'd, I'd find it interesting, but... I just mean like the way that they write those um, things. Yes, They're yeah. just like legalese. Ugh. Yeah. Having the rule in place in early December helped uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife to stay on track to reintroduce wolves in 2023 with the ability to use the appropriate management tools. We'll continue releasing animals based on our plan to have wolves not just survive, but thrive in Colorado as they did a century ago. What what it, what is having wolves? You could have ten wolves randomly running around. You know, you're happy. Well, it's wolves. all going to be delineated in that plan, and so I think we can take confidence in the fact that these are wildlife biologists who are putting this plan together. I, I so that's good, right? Mm-hmm. What you hope happened, and what I think we can kind of assume happened, but 
you know, who here has not been fooled by the <laughs> the government powers that be? Right? Yeah, we're the uh, government. We're here to help. Right. Uh, they met with stakeholders and heard their concerns and included those in that plan, right? But some interesting wording there is he the fact that he brought up that their 10J designation, this is not a – this is not like – Oh, we got wolves, and immediately they're on the, you know, the uh, endangered species list. You know, like mm-hmm. like you, they're designated on there. The wolves are not designated on the endangered species list anymore, so mm-hmm. they can't just say that they are in this state necessarily. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> the so they don't get like the highest, from my understanding, then they don't necessarily have like the highest level of prote- protections on them. Mm. Like there's ways that when he says that they are a non-essential experimental po- population, this helps us follow all the conflict mitigation plans that we have accounted for. So that makes me think that there's probably a way that if a rancher has a problem wolf, yeah, that keeps killing his animals. Yeah, but what do you do when he's you have going, a problem pack of fourteen? Right. There's there's a plan there to either, and I would imagine it would go in this order: relocation multiple times. And then maybe even a lethal removal yeah. of yeah, yeah. of so so uh, it sound it's interesting that he worded it that way, which I think was probably wise. But then he also said this: "We'll continue releasing animals based on our plan to have wolves not just survive but thrive." So they start with five. Oregon, it says in this article, said they could have up to ten. So they got five more they can get from Oregon at some point. Um, and in a place where they're not just barely hanging on, like, yeah, we technically have wolves here, you know? Yeah. But, like, yeah, wolves are a part of our landscape, you know? And it's also interesting to note, too, within all this, within the drama, is this was passed in 2021. And for a long time, it was like, yeah, you guys said you want wolves, but none of the state agencies around them were like, yeah, you can have some of our wolves. Hmm. They were like, no, we're not giving you wolves. Uh, wolves have, cause wolves have become a problem in other States. Um, and that's, that's the other part of the controversy is like in Idaho uh, a few years ago, uh, they opened up a hunting season on wolves. Oh, interesting. But they were, su- <clears throat> it was because the, uh, um, when they reintroduced wolves in Idaho, there was a, an agreed upon uh, number that was like, this is the maximum number we're going to allow before we introduce a hunting season. Well, uh, animal rights activists sued the state, and and it wasn't that they necessarily like won a case. It just kept delaying that management effort mm. because it was tied up in the courts. Yeah, And so for like a decade, they weren't allowed to measure – or to uh, to manage the uh, the wolf numbers in Idaho, and so they ballooned into this population that was way beyond the quota that was agreed upon when they reintroduced. Yeah, and and so people are afraid of that happening again. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest: if you had to paint these states a a political color, Colorado and Oregon are going to have the same color. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, and when you look at, when you look at how do different groups fall on different issues when it comes to wolves, yeah, a blue colored state is much more friendly to 
let them go and let them grow. Mm-hmm. And a red colored state is much more interested. Don't you dare bring them here. Mm-hmm. And if you do, it's going to be shoot, shovel, and shut up. Right mm-hmm. now, I don't fit into either one of those those categories. Right, I'm somewhere in the middle myself, and I'm not saying I'm, I have the right perspective, but but uh, there's reasonable fear with two extreme ideologies out there. There's reasonable fear for the people that when they do get wolves, that it is going to become shoot, shovel, and shut up. And there's reasonable fear for people. Uh, who get wolves to say, you guys are just going to let these things go and you're not going to let anyone manage them and it's going to be a runaway train. Man, that is very, it's very open-ended. We're going to see over the next five years how um, uh, a major example of the progressive movement uh, handles, you know, um, reintroducing. And and they have like some of the most habitat out of any state in terms of uh, habitat that are most species in their habitat and stuff like that. So pretty interesting yeah man dude that was good everyone we hope you have a good old holidays we owed him a long one anyways because we missed friday we did we owed you guys a long one. we're trying people we're 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 we got a lot going on (laughs) and uh podcasts are uh are uh harder to come by these days i think because they're possibly because they're so popular everyone's getting a bunch so people are saying more no or no more i don't know but uh we are we are working on it. Yep. All right. We'll see you next time guys.